Welcome back to our MicroFocus uh, Security Res Cyber Res series, where we are in episode six, which brings us to the end of the Security Awareness Series podcast. Um, we have gone through measuring cyber resilience. We've gone through why our users and everyone needs to be cyber savvy. We've had a look at how innovation through cyber can be done and reshaped our business. We've spoken about what happens when you've been hacked and how do we cope with that. And we've even examined the software security involved in the software supply chain, which scared the pants off me. Today, we are ending with probably the most important area, which is privacy and cybersecurity. And how do we cope with that from a South African perspective, a SADC perspective, and a global perspective? We've seen a proliferation of, of um, government intervention and protection with regards to GDPR, with Papaya, and that's all looking at our users and our end users, our customers, and saying, are we looking after their information correctly and responsibly? And now we're overthrowing a security um, blanket onto that. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. That's why we've got Priyanka. Priyanka, welcome to our episode. I wonder if you could just introduce yourself and tell us who you are and why you are here. Thanks, Daniel. And I'm so glad to see that someone else is as equally passionate about privacy as I am. Um, so yeah, I'm Priyanka. I'm an associate at uh, ENS Africa, uh, which is a law firm uh, here in and we have presence across the continent. Um, and I sit in our technology team and I do a bunch of different types of tech work um, and a large part of that is privacy. So I'm hoping for some use during this session. Uh, I hope I'm not going to be boring uh, yourself or anything else. Um, there's a lot of pressure to be the last the last one to go. So I hope uh, I hope I can make it sound exciting. It is very exciting. My first question to you, Priyanka, from a legal perspective, did your position even exist 10 years ago? Yeah, that's a very good question, Daniel. I think I think we've seen privacy experts come up in the last few years in particular. Um, but I think I think it's been something that's been on people's minds for a very long time. I mean, um, you know, with uh, the, the the issues that happened over the past several years, I think the biggest shock, well, I think from my perspective, was what happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. And that was just, you know, a few years ago. And that yeah. is when I think people really became so shocked when you think, you know, how are you using my data? something wrong with how you're using my information just something that is you know that just just shocks you to your core mm. when mm. people actually started questioning what is the meaning of privacy um but yeah i agree 10 years ago i think it was all about uh you know commercialization more about business data was used as an asset no matter you know whose data it was it was used to drive businesses um but now I think there's been that shift you know data is no longer just an asset it's mm. it's it's a currency you use you know where where your reputation as a company is is mm. everything mm. 
Mm. So yeah, it's definitely been something that's been changing. I think it will to be a space that will continue to evolve and um, and change. I think as as privacy takes on different meanings and, and roles. Controversial question: Can we actually do anything about what's being done with our data, or is the battle already lost? Do they know everything already? <laughs> That's a, I, I want to say that sounds quite cynical, Daniel. <laughs> so in, in my personal view, you know, it's something I've had to wrestle with for, for some time now, I think, and, and I'll get to what the, I think the official professional position should be, but, mm. but personally, I think we can't expect for our data to remain secret, to remain 100% private, to remain 100% ours. The more digitized we become, the more services we use online, the more we interact with other people on Facebook or Instagram, really creating a very large digital footprint. So our data is everywhere. I think unless you're sitting underneath, um, you know, some some kind of rock on a beautiful tropical island somewhere with no Wi-Fi, no cell reception, um, I think you should you should expect that you have no privacy. Um, and within that, I think we have to ask ourselves, what is what are reasonable invasions of privacy? What are reasonable uses of privacy? And then within that, um, you can then ask those kinds of questions, Daniel. I think as a user, so if I'm on Instagram or just you know having this this chat with you, I need to kind of be logical and sensible about how much data I'm sharing. You know, you, you have to sort of appreciate the platform you're on, the the, the forum you're in, the, the context in which you're, you're actually, you know, your 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 image, your your um, persona is being put out there. So there are some ways in which I can sort of curb that um, sort of um, excessive invasions of my privacy. Okay. But at the same time, and I think very importantly, it's it's the other side of the coin what is the the company's responsibility with my data you know yeah. the Facebooks of the world and so on so there really are these two big role players here daniel okay or i mean we're going on to the big social platforms where it's understood but if we're just looking at our retail environment where they've got our data because i've been buying stuff from them that juxtaposition of what i'm sharing with them and i'm on their loyalty program versus how they can use my data in other areas. There's mm. still an area which us as South Africans and papaya coming in, we now seem to have a firm ground on, on what the data subject can do. Yeah. Do you think we are educated enough about that? And where does security come into that from a privacy perspective in your mind? Now, look, a loaded question, but I think I think ultimately, what what? So, so I I'm just gonna we're gonna be using different pronunciations here, but it's because the law has um, changed so many times. So it's poppy and poppia and papaya, but they all mean the same thing. Mm. Uh, but the, the the beautiful thing that that poppy does is it gives the data subject um, all these rights in respect of the information. Um, and just to take it a few steps back. The data subject is any person um, who whose information is being processed. So 
I think a common misconception is that these privacy laws only apply to you and I as human beings, but very, uh, very fascinating is that it also applies to companies and entities and juristic persons as well. So wow. I never yeah, thought so about that. That's, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, we, I think it's, it's, we are one of two countries, I think, in the world. I think Colombia is the other one where we actually recognize the privacy of, a, of an entity, um, which, which is really interesting. And I think it, it, it confuses and baffles people. You know, why, why would we worry about the privacy of a company? Why would, why would that matter? Um, and, and, you know, we have this, this constitution, right, like yeah. that has wonderful, colorful rights um, contained in it. And, and one of them is the right to privacy. And that right protects both us as individuals, but also but also entities as well. And that's that's why it is important. Um, wow. So just, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's, you know, you mentioned the GDPR in the beginning, and I think everyone knows about the GDPR. Everyone knows about, oh, you know, I have to do so much with, with the data I'm processing about individuals. There's lots of measures I have to implement. But all of that equally applies where you're 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 processing and using and mm. dealing uh, a company's information, which is mm. which is really really fascinating. That is fascinating. And if I think of our audience, where we are going from a cyber um, res perspective across our region, you know they can really look to the Papaya Act and what we have done here as a beacon to aspire to to get a framework in place. And for me. The framework talks about predictability of, of process, which is where we can secure. Because if we've got a predictable place where we are processing, you know, th then we understand what the boundaries are and perimeters, and we can put security software around that. For an elevator pitch, for somebody who knows nothing about Papaya, so we understand GDPR. Could you give me an elevator pitch on what Poppy or Papaya is for our audience who are not South African? Sure. So Poppy is our governing privacy law that protects the personal information of individuals and entities. It doesn't say you can't use it. It just says what you can do with it, what you can't do with it. So it, it includes quite... Um, I would think commercially practical measures to guide our use of that information. And at, at its heart is this notion of transparency and openness. No one should be surprised by how the information is used. So if I'm telling you I'm collecting this information in order to send you specials, that's okay. It's if I steal your information and then send you specials, that's not okay because I'm not informing and I haven't given consent. Yes, absolutely. So it, there needs to be that transparency. It's achieved in different ways. Yes, I think in the, in the specific context of like, as you've given with specials, direct marketing, yes, telling someone what you're doing with information is very important, but there'll also be additional requirements like, mm. like consent. But absolutely, I mean, if I'm getting an email from someone or if I find that my data is being used in a particular way, I shouldn't be surprised by it. Okay. And of course, we don't click the we don't click the t's and c's we don't click the privacy policy um you know, at the top of these uh, uh video meetings or whatever the case is so so we don't really read those t's and c's but ultimately 
Um, that's where they are. And you shouldn't be able to say, oh, I wasn't told about this or I didn't know you're using my okay. information. Okay, that's really good. So it's informed consent. Mm. Now we've got a company that's storing this data. What is their legal obligation with regards to security here? So just context around this, again, for people who are not in South Africa. Once we've stored the data, the onus is now on the entity to look after that data, as I understand it. What, what, what does it mean for us, Priyanka? So... Poppy, Poppy is, as I said, it's quite practical. So it will avoid prescribing the precise measures you have to implement because this will ultimately depend on you as a company, what, what data you're sitting with, how much data, you know, of that data, is it, um, is it quite uh, risky? So does it have um, racial information? Does it have biometric information? Um, is it health data? Is it children's information? So obviously, the more, the more risky your data set, the more security you're expected to implement. Risky what- versus risque. we're not talking about nude pictures we're talking about (laughs) yes pronunciation is everything (laughs) but absolutely but but you know what what poppy says is you need to do two things one have good adequate reasonable appropriate technical measures but not Technical measures, you also need organizational measures. And what we see a lot of companies do is they focus a lot on the technical measures. So having nice multi-factor authentication or having passwords or having really um, you know, robust antivirus um, software in place. That's all great. That's all, that's all wonderful and necessary. But equally are the organizational measures that are also quite important. And, and the reason I emphasize that is that, you know, you could have the best security in place on your, on your, on your system, technically. But if, you know, Joe Soap and accounts doesn't understand that he's being fished or is the phishing emails mm. him, just suddenly releases all this data to a, a hacker or some other malicious actor, mm. that's it. That, that's your, your reputation as a company down the line. Done. So it's... It's the, it's the people themselves that actually carry so much risk within a business because um, because they're unpredictable. Mm. Um, mm. And, and I think it's so easy to um, just do these one sort of trainings, you know, when someone joins a company and no one reads the cyber no one reads the, mm. the fine print. Um, you know, you just tick a box saying, yes, I've read the policies, but you haven't really. Mm. And then down the line, um, a security compromise occurs, whether it's because you've given away more information than you should have, whether you didn't verify who's receiving the information, mm. um, you know, so so it's a, it's a lot of risk that sits with mm. the people in the business. And that's why I think Poppy places that equal, an equal um, importance on, um, on organizational measures in addition to technical. So Priyanka, if um, something happens now in our context, in a, in a South African context, who gets marched off for the repercussions? I was going to say the beating in the public square, but who, who is, is uh, accountable for this? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Daniel. Another thing that distinguishes us from, from other countries. 
So we have what's called a responsible party, okay. uh, which is a very descriptive term <laughs> um, that means exactly what it is. You know, it's 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 the entity that is responsible for how personal information is used. Um, that it it's the entity that determines what information it mm. needs, why it needs that information. And it's information relating to its clients, its service providers, its employees. And it is that entity that is required to do all these things to secure the information they're processing, to keep it nice and confidential, keep the integrity of that information intact. Mm. And if something goes wrong, if there is a compromise to that information, mm. so if um, unlawful access to that information, um, or if um, or yeah, unlawful access or acquisition of that information, um, then that entity is on the line. Um, well, for the public beating, as you as you call it, um, and and anyone can come after that entity. The poppy leaves it quite open, so it could be me as a data subject if it was my information mm. that was. Common. Um, you know, my bank account information was uh, leaked or um, this entity didn't have good enough security um, in place to secure my bank information and someone found a loophole in the system and access. Um, but and then who is that person? Or is there a person responsible or is it a team of people? Or what are you seeing in the industry? It would be the company, Daniel. So okay, we so we would go for the whole. bank and the we bank would, the would be in trouble. Okay, so it's not yes. it's not an information officer or a security person or an application owner. It's actually the whole entity itself. The bank is in trouble, and we they could be held to the fines that Poppy has if they were found to be negligent or if they were found to be yes. So okay, just to cool. qualify that, generally, generally the liability will re will rest with that entity as the okay. responsible. Okay. There are very limited, very limited instances where the information officer of the company may be held liable in their personal capacity. And in fact, criminal fines and even um, imprisonment can wow. attach to the information officer. Yeah, it's quite serious. And I think it's something that scares a lot of people. But, um, you know, we follow due process here. So okay. you can't say, well, a data breach has happened. Let's go and arrest the information officer. Um, you have to show um, very, very um, in, in very fine detail what what exactly the information officer has done, okay. and the the kinds of instances um, where the information officer you know can be found uh, can be found personally criminally liable is you know if there's um, an account number you know an account number that has been compromised or the information officer fails to um, is, is withholding or concealing uh, personal information. So say, for example, I send a request to a company and I say, hey, I want to know what info you have on me. Like, give me all you have. Mm. Um, mm. And then the company maybe doesn't need to have that information or maybe they know they're, they're, they're up to no good. So mm. the information officer goes and destroys my records and says, ah, oh, you don't have your, your information. That act of destruction can be seen as quite, you know, being deceitful, um, dishonest and mm. can be criminally uh, criminally punished. So there are very, okay. very few instances where where that personal liability will attach, but it but it can happen. Okay. So in the, most instances, it will be it will be the responsible party, um, and like different, there's different consequences. I mean, we have at the moment the fine, the maximum is set to ten million. 
So that might not be quite a lot, you know, for some companies that are extremely large where they can almost afford a 10 million fine, but if you're a small entity, it might be a problem um, as well. So that, that can be quite serious. And then, I haven't yeah. stored your email address, Priyanka. I'm just telling you again. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Priyanka, you, you said the chief information officer. Did the chief information officer exist before Papaya or is that come because of papaya because i see in our notes when we are prepping for this and and we're talking about you know privacy and cyber security what should what should the information officer be doing and i'm hmm. almost taking be doing after a breach because we know that it's going to happen um hmm. did that person exist before and is there the the big mandate then papaya and what do how do you deal with these things yeah, so just, just to take a step back, the information officer, it's a it's a confusing term because it's it's not what you would think as the chief information officer of a company necessarily. Okay. Uh, you know, it's I think the equivalent that's used in other countries is like data protection officer. So GDPR uses that terminology. Um, as privacy officers as well used in other countries. But here we call it the information officer. Okay. Um, can be anybody actually by default it's the head of the company okay. so you authorize somebody else in the company to be the information officer your ceo is online yeah oh wow so your yeah so your ceo could have all of these obligations um and if they aren't being met then the ceo um can again be found personally liable in those very few instances um but but that that is the is the information officer this role that poppy talks about actually is has was already established in another piece of legislation called the promotion of access to information act so i'm not sure if you've heard it but it's, it's also known as pia uh, yep yep uh, and that's been around for years and years and years um okay. but but there's this there's this interplay between Papia and Pia, um, and they really speak to each other in many ways because ultimately we're dealing with information, where okay. Pia deals with I want to access information that a particular entity has. How okay. do I go accessing that information? And Poppy speaks to the privacy of that information and okay. goes into more granular and comprehensive detail. Okay. Um, about so what the information officer has to do is a lot. So that is new. The roles and responsibilities um, of the information officer now during popular times is very different to what was expected before. So um, um, just pause there, segue in. Yeah. Where do we get fast track information about this? Is there is there a website where we can Absolutely. make sure? Yeah, so the regulator um, has a website. It's um, info, uh, I think it's inforeg.gov.za. I'm happy to drop you the link and then you can you can share it. Um, Outstanding, after. thank you. But that that really is a it's, it's a good source of information. You have um, a copy of the Act Pia mm, there. Mm. Popia. Um, the regulator has also published all the forms that data subjects can use if they want to send a request to someone and ask for the information or they want to make a complaint. Um, so they, and it has all of those um, all of those forms published online. Um, so another pause for me there. 
if we had to be putting together a security framework, this is Security mm. Awareness Month security framework, could I then use that Papaya guideline to test my framework against to make sure I've covered all my data subjects? Would you think that was a good paint-by-numbers approach if I didn't have a different one? I think, I think it's definitely a helpful start, Daniel, but I think the, the, the tricky thing with Poppy, and I think a lot of people who, who tried to get compliance by the deadline earlier this year um, in 1 July, um, that, that deadline caused a lot of people, okay, Poppy is just a tick box exercise. I just got to okay. check all the boxes and all of that, um, which can be quite, I think, quite difficult, especially, you know, security is an ongoing exercise. Mm. Mm. And so what Poppy says is that you need to, you need to regularly assess what data you have, assess the risks to that data in your organization. So you have to actually identify where are the risks in your business? Um, what do those risks look like? Is it because okay. your entire business is, is online or is it because you have far too many employees accessing that information? Identify those risks, then put in place measures to mitigate those risks and then assess those measures all the time because as you can appreciate, um, people become more and more sophisticated mm. uh, as time goes by. They come up with better, more creative ways to hack, to access information they shouldn't be accessing. So you have to, you have to keep abreast of, of, of the hackers, you know, you, and you've got to keep in line with those trends to, to, to remain ahead of them. So it's difficult to look at a framework and say, well, let me just tick this. It will ultimately depend on what information you're sitting with, where are those risks, what measures do you have? If you could get one message across in this month of October, which is Cybersecurity Month, and from a CyberRes perspective, what is the one message you would like to get across to security people who are helping these information officers? I think the one message is that it's not it's not something that just one person is responsible for. It really is an organizational effort. Okay. And you know, it doesn't help for 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 just your your head of IT to be driving the whole cybersecurity response of a company. You need your CEO, you need your legal, you need your PR guys, you okay. need um, you need all of that kind of coordination internally to okay. effectively um, detect an incident and then very importantly respond to it of a breach uh, besides the financial cost just reputation and commercial mm. uh, damage um, can be quite devastating for taken a very long time to establish itself as a reputable company as one to be trusted and it can be a, a very you know it's not just traumatic hmm. absolutely absolutely very traumatic and it can be embarrassing yeah. um it's not it's not nice to have to answer those kinds of questions no. and, you know and you have to be so careful with the words you use how you use it who you tell hmm. so because of that you really do need quite a few people working together to to mitigate and, and and often we see that it's just you know some someone in it mm. who was um on call that night who mm. picked up incidents mm. and they end up driving the whole process um and that can be quite risky mm. Uh, mm. business so that excellent would be my, my yeah. next question um as we go through october which is um obviously cyber security month 
what's your focus? What are you working on up to the end of this year till the December slowdown? What's your kind of focus for the quarter? October is also is also my birthday month, Daniel. So it gives me lots of good good energy. Yes, come on, happy birthday! Thanks so much. Um, but 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 Daniel, I think I think the focus remains compliance. I think what we saw was a massive um, you know rush by a lot of companies to meet the one July deadline, saying, "Oh, puppy's going to come into force on one July." The regulators must start knocking on people's doors. So it was very busy at that time. You know, we saw lots of companies um, racing to get compliant, racing to look at all their gaps in their business, plugging those holes, uh, implementing policies and docs. Um, but what we saw afterwards is is a kind of dip okay. because it happened, um, and and you know the regulator has been you know vocal here and there has been um making some news announcements but i think what people are waiting for are the fines they're waiting to see what mm. happens mm. does the regulator have teeth mm. um what will actually happen you know what, what we are trying to encourage people to do is not to wait for a fine because when the fine comes when the reputational harm hits it will be far more costly to react to that then it would be to to start looking at your holes now and and companies do have holes because um compliance with puppy is a very active it requires very active and very deliberate steps to be mm. taken mm. um and and because of that it's it's very likely that if you haven't done anything yet you, you are non-compliant mm. because mm. that are required um and we're hoping that in the next few months you know uh companies start really prioritizing puppy compliance not because mm. it's a legal issue but because it's a it's a it's a commercial issue ultimately. and it's a moral issue so Murray, come on it's my data come on people. absolutely no, I'm with you. i really you know it's, it's it's really just about being practical and open um with the people you work with whether those are your employees your clients mm. your um, it shouldn't matter. And you want to make sure that those relationships are healthy, that those are good, that they remain long term. Um, you know, the cancel culture that we're in today, um, it just takes one one problem and then, you know, your your clients are moving on to the next thing. Um, it's very easy to transfer your your loyalty. <laughs> so now my, my we've overstayed our welcome in your bedroom. Wow, that sounds <laughs> bad. That sounds bad. <laughs> Bianca, um, uh, what question should I have asked you that I haven't asked you yet? What did you want to know? <laughs> no, I think you've actually covered it all, Daniel. I'm not really, cool. I don't think there is anything. Um, I, I think I I tried to convey the importance of just how important it is to be aware mm. of the, um, what, what is required to be done. Mm. Um, order to safeguard the information you're holding and it's not it really isn't just the job of the information officer the information officer is really your coordinator mm. within the organization but everybody everybody who touches information in the company mm. has a role to play. Excellent. Um, no you know needs to know what privacy is about so i think i think that really was the point i wanted to want to Excellent. Priyanka Naidu, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for helping us welcome. educate our people, our listeners. 
Um, for our audience members who are not in South Africa, um, the Papaya Act and um, the reading around it is really in English. It's self-explanatory. Do yourself a favor, as Priyanka has said, educate yourself because it's going to be following. The more we mature in this work from anywhere, cloud world, post-pandemic, information is the currency, people's data is the currency, and we have to get a handle on it, especially from a security perspective. Priyanka, I hope I get to interview you again. You were fabulous. Thank you very much. From my side, Daniel Robus, as the Microfocus host, I'm going to wish you a wonderful afternoon and a brilliant weekend ahead.